0: Welcome to Adaptify. I'm Mike, I'm a paraplegic from New Zealand, and it's my mission to find the Adaptifiers of the world. People who have overcome challenges and found new, creative, interesting ways to be free, despite needing to use a wheelchair for their mobility. Today's guest is Jezza Williams from Making Tracks. Now, Jezza is an absolute legend here in New Zealand. He's a C5 tetraplegic, and he is a company that is forging the way worldwide in inclusive tourism, particularly inclusive adventure tourism. He's driven the Mongol Rally, the first tetraplegic ever to do so. He flies paragliding solo. He raft guides. This guy is incredibly enthusiastic about what he does and is without a doubt an adaptifier. It's with great pleasure that I introduce Jezza Williams to the Adaptify podcast. Thank you very much, Mike. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me along. Awesome. Hey, so first of all, to set the scene and give a bit of context as to who you are, can you just describe to me how you ended up spending your life with a set of wheels?
1: Wow. Let's go back a few years now, Mike. So, and Back in 2010, I was uh, a river guide, canyon guide, worked internationally all over the world, um, spent all my life working in the outdoor industry. And, um, you know, complacency came in. I was probably a little bit more confident than I should have been on the day and took a massive big Superman dive out over a waterfall in my mind. However, slipped more like a cat dive head first onto rocks. Yeah, not, not a good outcome. Broke my, well, actually shattered my C5 and C6 vertebrae. Um, very lucky to be alive because I was in a waterfall for a long time, had the near-drowning system happening, had lots going on, spent quite a while in rehab, but back on it again.
0: Nice one. Well, man, I'm sure, uh, and how many years ago was that? Well, that was in 2010,
1: so it's been eight years, and uh, wow, it just goes so fast. It feels like a lifetime ago.
0: So, following on from that, did you ever find yourself in a place where you were more focused on the the problems in front of you than, than the possibilities? You talk us about uh, possibly a moment like that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting topic because for myself, okay, I uh, had a very serious injury. So when I came back, I was, I had my lungs failed, Um, I couldn't move, I was a real mess and they put me in a coma for three months to bring, well actually not three months, that's an over exaggeration, it was a month, but to bring me back again. So when I woke up I was pretty messed up drug wise and it was a very slow process coming back to obviously where I am now um and i was in a rehab center in switzerland luckily so it was very good rehab i was there for 11 months to get my my body and mind back on it um but because everything happened for me was so slow i had to learn how to you know breathe firstly and then i had to learn how to feed myself then brush my own teeth then all these little little things so i had little goals going on but of course it was very takes a strong mind, you know, to go through that situation and but still be confident and and happy in oneself. Um, there was a few moments, obviously, I was a bit vain beforehand. I really had a really body body and all that sort of carry on, and I was incredibly uh, independent and. Uh, Going from, you know, that sort of background to being a C5 tetraplegic, losing all your muscles, losing all the power to be able to, to do what you want to do when you want to do without having to wait for people, without being able to do some things yourself. Of course, it was a difficult struggle. Um, I am quite lucky. I didn't really hit the, oh my God, I'm in a deep dark hole. This life sucks. Um, I looked at it as everything, little goals, and in the big picture, it sort of slowly happened for me. Um, and, yeah, it does take a while. The first two years is a very difficult time. Um, I used to, people used to stare at me and I'd be like, ah, what are you looking at me for? You know, if I'm getting handled in and out of cars in public, I'd be like, ah, you know, what's going on? And these sort of things used to irritate me more than anything. Um, but now I'm totally over it and I can give you some advice the reason why I uh, think the way I think
0: well yeah let's um, let's let's talk through some of those things tell us a bit about uh, were there any yeah what, what were some key, key things aside from those small little steps and that's great advice by the way just little steps lead to big steps ultimately right so You're focusing on those essential things but then you're an outdoorsy guy you you wanted to get back into the outdoors how did you first get back into the outdoors what was that experience like and and how did you how did you do that yeah
1: well when I was in rehab I was in Switzerland and uh I always had my mates coming in and they're all river guides and skiers and all this sort of thing so they'll be coming in and telling me what they're up to and then of course it's like man this is is pretty intense I'm still trying to learn to breathe you know um but then I was like right I've got to get back into the outdoors so I firstly I looked into the scene into the outdoor scene that was around and to tell you the truth I was actually quite disappointed um there wasn't the infrastructure uh and there wasn't that much opportunity for somebody like myself a C5 tetraplegic to get amongst it but lucky me I have got some of the most ultimate buddies who were were incredibly willing and very, very helpful to get me back into it. And so over time, you know, I I started um, making little adaptions to make things possible. My boys helped me out getting me back into the rivers. Um, I started going paragliding with mates and then we built my own buggy and then I started paragliding. Um, And then, you know, everything, even going for pushes through the bush was a big thing, you know, every little, little, little thing just being in the outdoors again. Lucky for me, though, it was 35 when I had my accident. I've been guiding since I would have been probably 17, 18. So there's nothing wrong with an early retirement, Mike, you know what I mean? As long as, you know, now I'm doing it for myself. I'm also doing it with other people. But I realise I can't guide every day. I have to be sensible, you know.
0: So let's dive into a few of those things. You say you've modified some equipment to, to enable you to go in the rivers and and fly again. Can you can you give those that are listening out there um, first of all a little context? You so you're C5 tetraplegic or quadriplegic, if you're listening out there in the US. Um, you've got reasonably limited hand function. Um, so, you know, if you want to go uh, paragliding again, how on earth do you do that with, with your function? And what, are the, what were those modifications that you, that you made that enabled you to, to do that?
1: <laughs> well, it's really funny because I looked at a few things that I could do first in the outdoors. And obviously the first one is skydiving because it's just falling out of a plane. And then I thought, okay, i am got to go and catch up with my boys down in Queenstown. So I went down and caught up with one of my very good friends down in Queenstown, Dino, who is a paraglider. And uh, we strapped me to the front of him, and about four of us pushed me off the hill. And uh, I went on a tandem flight. And when I was on the tandem flight, I actually went, hey, bro, you know, how hard is it to pull the toggles? And so I put my hands up which was real difficult without triceps, and grabbed the toggles and went, okay, it's not that difficult to pull the toggles, you know. So I thought in my mind at that point, and this was way back in like 2012, I was like, I can fly one of these. So the process took a while. Um, I worked with um, the Infinity Power Gliding School down in Queenstown with a very – good mate of mine, uh, Swanee, who helped me develop some fiberglass buggies that I first made for making tracks, which is my company, um, to get other people in the air.
0: So the buggies, basically it's, it's got wheels on it, enables you with help to set the kite up and then you launch off in this buggy and then you're off on your own flying. Is that the, that's the concept?
1: That's a concept. Yeah. But it, like, it took four, four, it took us like three prototypes to get the perfect design. I've got a couple down in Queenstown that people can use for tandem all the time. But the one that I use is one that we've built from scratch. And yeah, it's pretty much, I sit in it and get pushed off the hill and then fly. And so, land. You and know, land. You know. Normally, Upright, sometimes not upright, but I land, and it's really funny. There's a, <laughs> there's a few things that cracks me up because I'm always like, "How can I fly?" You know, it blows me away. Without hand function, I had to tie the the um, lines to my wrists, and I had to do it properly so they would never come off. Because if they did, it would be like, "Ah, uh, see you later." Yep. And uh, also, the thing is, I don't have triceps, so I can't lift my hands up. But because my hands are tied to The lines the paraglider lifts my hands up and all I have to do is pull down I haven't stalled yet and I'm not looking forward to it but that'll be an experience in itself because the paraglider won't be holding up my my arms so personally I am pushing the limit it's right on the edge but I'd rather go out push the limit and live the life I live and stay at home and be like oh i can't do this stuff you know and it's the same with a lot of other things that i do with the rafting and that sort of thing so yeah it's you do need to take a few risks in life to to get what you want out of it um but honestly trust me those risks in my world are totally worth it i just like to say though i do run an outdoor company called making tracks and uh we don't put people in those situations. It's the risk that I take, not the risk that I'll put my clients in.
0: Hey, Jezza, so tell us a bit about the rafting and how you, how you are able to go rafting and how you, you help other people go rafting. Tell us a bit about the equipment and maybe even just the process around um, how you get in the raft and, and those sort of things. Okay, so
1: rafting for anybody in a wheelchair is, firstly, it's one of the ultimate things you can do. Everybody's sitting down, you know, um, and it's a, a very – amazing way to get into the wilderness and to experience being at one with nature, you know, so you're there, you're not thinking of anything else. You're rocking down through the river, you're listening to the birds, you're looking at the bush, you know, you're, it's a very tranquil, beautiful experience and it can be full on as well, depending on what you want to do. So being a river guide, it was easy for me. Um, I went to my boys, um, ultimate descent, Tim, is one of my really good mates and he helped me out getting it all sorted, but we brought in some harnesses that they use for sailing and we adapted them a little bit. Um, and that means up on the outside of the boat, like everybody else, the harnesses sit, it's fully releasable on the front, on the sides in the back fully supports your body. And then you can just sit up on the outside of the boat like anybody else. There's a few other things that we really needed to organize. Um, Okay, temperature control, for example, a tetraplegic like myself doesn't control temperature, so we use dry suits when it's cold. Or even on a warm day, we don't use wetsuits they are very hard to get into. We sort of use splash jackets and that sort of thing, um, depending on the level of ability that our clients have or what I personally do. Um, And then also... Um, we've got straps for hands to put your hands onto the paddles because um, it's good to be able to, you know, be part of the action, even though you're not like Mr. Muscles doing all the work, but it's nice to be part of the action, it's moving, staying part of the team. Um, and then it makes the rafting is very simple. It's very easy getting in and out of boats. thing with rafting is you're a team, you know, everybody's there, so Getting transferred into the boat by a strong river guide and four of your paddling mates is part of the process. People enjoy helping other people. If you don't like getting moved and you won't be able to do an activity, then you're missing out on something in life. Harden up. You have to realise you have to get out there. You have to enjoy it. You have to be able to ask
0: for help. So tips on asking for help, because I know that is a big thing for a lot of people to feel like they're not being a burden on their friends and family. You know, how do you – what's the right way to ask for help for these things? Well, uh, I've
1: always – I'm quite an open sort of character. Like sometimes when I get in and out of my vehicle, rather than doing a slide board when I'm down the street and I see a big lapping lab walk past, I'll be like, hey, bro, you want to give us a hand? And they always come over with a big smile on their face – And they love helping. People love to help. It's a known fact. I've traveled all over the world. You know, I've been in countries that I find the more developed and the less accessible the countries, the more the people are willing to help you, you know, because they love it. Everybody loves helping everybody. It's uh, way better to give than to take. You know, don't take the piss and don't ask the same person all the time for the same thing but people are there and they're willing to help, you know. Um, But obviously you don't want to be lazy about it, you don't want to be rude about it, and you want to do as much as you possibly can. But it's is—it's very important to ask for help.
0: So perhaps it's a shift in mindset in that actually you are giving somebody else the opportunity to feel good about themselves by asking them to help. You know, in, in essence, by asking someone to be involved, you're giving them a wee gift, of feeling good about helping someone else, right? Exactly, exactly.
1: It's, um, you know, it's rewarding to help somebody. And it's also, in this day and age, I believe that the more people that come and help somebody like myself, um, it opens their world. They're like, oh my God, I met a dude in a wheelchair today and he was like the same as me, you know? He wasn't weird or upset or, you know? <laughs> Get with this 21st century, Mike. It's true, isn't it? It's like there is no difference in this world i've just been over at an international tourism summit in brussels trying to explain to the world about how easy accessible adventure based tourism is and i sometimes i come up against a wall with some companies because they're too scared to help when in reality if i tell them how it's done this is such a rewarding industry people are all about it you know they put their hands up i want to help yeah, so that's pretty much the way it is, really.
0: So it's transferring, what is, you know, specialist knowledge now that hopefully will become just general knowledge, to businesses and people, the people listening to this podcast, for example, and saying, hey, this is how you do something, and this is the great experience you're going to have, and and in essence, that is that is making tracks your your um, adventure company. Um, tell us a little bit about the Mongol Rally and. Um, you know, just just tell our listeners about that that adventure. Um, give give us a give us a summary. You know, two to three minutes on that.
1: All right. So a few years back, um, I was sitting around a table with a bunch of my mates, and one of the guys was a new pilot, and he was talking about my disability, and one of the biggest things in my life that it really heaves me off a little bit is when I sit down with people and they talk about my disability, there's hundreds of other things to talk about. And uh, I just said to him, Dude, you don't even know who I am. I'm an adventurer. I do heaps of pardon my language, am I allowed to say the S word? And he's like, Okay, what about this? And he mentioned this little rally that they have um, that goes from London to Mongolia and li- I was a little rally. A little rally, yeah. <laughs> it's, they call it one of the hardest rallies on the planet. So me, I looked at it and like, hmm, this is interesting. So I decided, all righty, I reckon I could do this. And talking about help, I contacted a bunch of my very good mates, you know, the river, river crew and a couple of my skydiving mates. And I was like, who wants to come? And so that was the start of the idea. And we made it happen. So we brought two little Yaris's in England um, over the internet. Uh, we got all of our visas that mounted up to about 30 over the internet. And we looked at maps and made a little plan. And I got all of my necessities, necessities together, medication, all my catheters, everything that I needed to do this rally, you know, um, obviously temperature I needed because we camped everywhere. I needed proper bedding, you know, something that I could sleep on that wouldn't give me issues. I had a sleeping bag that would keep me warm in the desert nights and all these sort of things. And then we jumped in these Yurises and we went on our journey. So it was two months. We did ended up doing 26,000 kilometers I'll tell you why in a minute it was pretty funny so as we went through on our tour we we did a bunch of different outdoor activities it was to, to promote making tracks and to promote what's possible um and so I was the first tetraplegic to undergo the Mongol rally and we drove all the way down through started in London did a few detours through Europe to catch up with some friends uh, went through to Turkey, up through into Georgia, into Azerbaijan, went across on the ferry. Um, it wasn't a ferry, actually, it was a, a, a Russian trucking trawler across the Caspian, into Kazakhstan, now through Kazakhstan, up into Russia, and then into Mongolia. That's where it pretty much started. Mongolia, because there's no roads, trust me, it's insane. And then we drove across Mongolia, and then we missed the boat. And so we had to drive all the way back through Russia, back to Europe. So we ended up in Latvia, Riga, And, yeah, it ended up being 26,000 kilometers uh, all the way through Euroasia. The most fun part of it for me was actually going places that you never knew existed. And how people live there, I do not know. It was an epic, Mike. It was an amazing trip. Um, I've traveled all over the world in my life as a guide and i needed to see what was possible so undertaking a trip like that just made my world cuz now i knew what what the problems were how to overcome the problems i met people that have never ever seen a person like myself before because in those countries i would not be alive um, I ran into a guy on the side of the road that was picking mushrooms to sell. And for him to see me traveling all the way to New Zealand to the middle of Russia in the middle of Siberia and nowhere, I looked at him and he looked at me and I felt that he was way more disabled than I was because he can't go anywhere. He doesn't have the money. He doesn't have the knowledge. He doesn't have the, the confidence, you know, to do this sort of thing. So it was eye opening to, uh, my friends, to the people that i met, um, and it made me more uh, confident in what I can do. It was a massive risk if I got any infections, if I got separated from my crew, um, if we had car accidents, if had anything go wrong, I would have been right on the edge, but that's what I'm saying. It's like you got to risk things in life to get to where you want to go. And uh, that was a massive risk, and it paid off.
0: So hairy moments, and and or any uh, you know moments where you were uh, you were you were questioning why why on earth you were there, and how did you get how did you get through that? Yeah,
1: it was pretty funny. Like when we were in Switzerland, we got robbed, so we lost our. A lot of our video production stuff, which was a shame. But we also lost the papers uh, for one of the cars. We lost insurance papers for one of the cars. So every border crossing we came across, we actually made some false papers. But we had two cars, so we'd always send the false papers in the first car through first, and then we'd send the right ones through second. And sometimes we'd be at the border crossings for hours on end, talking to them to get us across. We made it across the Hungarian border because they did us as foot traffic um, Not as drivers because our cars were illegal. The shit you can get away with because you're in a wheelchair is awesome. And I had camo with me. He had a big orange beard. And every time the cops pulled us over, they'd end up taking salvage with camo. And uh, we get away with it. You know, Kiwi ingenuity, great attitudes, big smiles. Um, uh, we found that they're very... It was a long, long time to be living in Yurises, so it was frustrating at times. Um, we were really lucky; nothing serious, serious happened. Um, you know, we got a couple of flat tires. Uh, we got lost at one stage and then we went to China instead of going through to the end of Mongolia. I'm serious; there's no roads. And um, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, honestly, I found it pretty damn easy. Why? Because I had an incredible crew with me, yeah, pretty much, and we were lucky to get where we did, how we did. Oh, and Benny, a good friend of mine, is back in the States. If you listen to this Benny, I have to mention you. He was a speed flyer, so he ended up having an accident whilst we were there and Sophia breaking both of his legs. So there was two of us in wheelchairs on this trip.
0: <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> Yeah, pretty funny. So, look, if you were offering somebody some advice and they were in your situation for the you know initial period of time, what would you say to them? You mean straight off? So it is very
1: – it's a big hurdle to get across. Um, but trust me, life on the other side is not as hard or as difficult as you think. Humans, we adapt, you know as Mike says, adaptify and it's life is not difficult on the other side. Think about it. This is the way that I think about it too, is I've had two lives. I've had the life of being Jezza, the adventure guide, and I've had the life as Jezza, the tetraplegic um, international guide. Cause I still do what I do. You know, um, it's the first two years are difficult because your body needs to adjust with everything. After the first two years, Everything gets easier and easier. Remember, you're living with this all the time. My advice is, and it's got to be intense for some people, harden up. You've got to be strong. Don't think you are going to walk again. If it happens, it happens. Don't dwell on it. Get out there. Get living. You know, eat healthy. Exercise. There are two major, major, major things. If you're eating crap food and you're drinking and smoking and stuff like this, you will feel bad. Because you're not moving as much as you used to, you know. Healthy living is very important. Get into the outdoors. Come for a trip with makingtracks.co.nz, you know. Um, there are so many things and opportunities that you can do. You will adapt. You'll find that, you know, you'll get relationships. You'll meet new people. People that you meet now won't necessarily be the people that you met in the past. They'll probably be nicer people, believe it or not. Um, yeah, honestly, it's not a biggie. It's not a biggie at all. As long as you stay strong, stay positive, and get on, get on living.
0: Hey Jezza, amazing advice. And you know the the get hard. You know, like be strong. I it resonates with me a lot too. I think um, once you get over the the, the preconceptions that. Once you sort of get over yourself and let, get out of your own way, then then things can start to really happen for you. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy that you you said that. Uh, tell us what does the future hold for for you? Um, what are your what are your ambitions?
1: Well, <laughs> what are my ambitions? Well, good question. Um, the future for me, the near future, I've got little bits and pieces. I'm always working on little bits and pieces. Um, I've just started a very large task of um, resurrecting the New Zealand outdoor scene to be inclusive what that means we're talking about inclusive tourism Um, I know the facts I am a professional in this industry and so what I'm doing is I'm going around and I'm adapting outdoor companies into the mainstream market we call it the Tracks Approved Initiative Um, and I go and I endorse outdoor companies we do this by Educating, um, it's if it's a hard one to explain in a very short time, but I can just say it's done through education, adaptation, and cooperation. It's pretty much all that it takes to change an outdoor scene to make these things possible. Um, so I go to outdoor companies and uh, pretty much open them up so they take anybody and everybody. The Um, I am doing talks all over New Zealand um, about this international, beautiful thing they call um, inclusive tourism, and it's going to hit. I've just been over at the summit in Brussels in Europe, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, everybody's talking about how it's such a big industry, but places like New Zealand are a little bit behind the times. We are the venture capital of the world, but I'm still banging my head against the wall with some companies. Um, but we're getting there.
0: What is their biggest uh, challenge, or what, what are they, What are they? What's the biggest hurdle in their mind? They're scared. They think somebody in a chair that shows up to their company to do
1: an activity um, is hard work. Uh, as an international river guide, I know that some countries and some body shapes and just some cultures are very difficult. Um, and I wouldn't put people in wheelchairs or vision impaired or hearing impaired in those boxes. It's just an unknowing of, of the industry, um, what the possibilities are. It's just, yeah, it, the, the biggest thing is they're a little bit worried and they need somebody like myself to come in and, and put them straight, really. Show them how to do it. Show them how to do it, yeah. Educate them a little bit and then uh, boom, everything's easy.
0: So good. Hey, Jezza, it's been awesome having you on the podcast today. You are clearly a man who is passionate, driven and is an adaptifier through and through. And hey, man, I thank you so much for all you're doing worldwide on the inclusive tourism front. Uh, Truly amazing, man. Thank you so much. Where can people find out more about you and get in touch uh, uh, via social media?
1: Ah, oh, okay. Very easy. Go hashtag tracks approved. That's with tracks with an X. That'll take you to all of our online websites, etc., etc. There is making tracks again with an X, um, and there is tracks travel, and they're both .co.nz, and we're on Facebook. Same thing, and we are on Instagram. And uh, yeah, check out what we're doing. And if you ever want to come to New Zealand to do an activity, if you're overseas, let me help you. Um, And if you're a Kiwi and you want to get out there and enjoy it, it doesn't cost you any more than the average Joe. Um, It's a non-profit company I run, and what we're doing is the money that gets made through the companies that subscribe to making tracks, it's the company paying, it's not the client.
0: Talk us through, uh, just very quickly before we end here, some of the activities that, uh, that uh, you do here in New Zealand.
1: Okay, so we've got multi-day rafting, uh, single-day rafting. We've got paragliding. There's possibility of learning to paraglide, um, just a basic, basic course um we do tours 14 day tours seven day tours if you want us to organize anything or everything we tell you how to do it you're in contact with me the whole time over whatsapp prior to during and after don't worry i'm not going to be your guide you'll have a fully able-bodied guide that knows what he's doing he's normally a (laughs) bit of a legend and then if we have everything from glaciers with ski chairs we have paragliding buggies we do skydiving we do horse trekking we do trips down in fuel land. Oh, just check it out. Go to Making Tracks. Have a look. It'll blow your mind. That's a
0: great way to end. Jezza, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, really look forward to uh, catching up with you again soon.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, have a beautiful time. And remember, stay strong. Get out there. Let's get busy living.
0: I hope you enjoyed the podcast and meeting today's Adaptifier. To learn more about Adaptify and the products we have in development, products that will increase freedom for wheelchair users, go to adaptify.com. That's A-D-A-P-T-D-E-F-Y.com. We're also on all the major social media platforms at Adaptify. Follow us there for more behind-the-scenes looks, more up-to-date information on product releases. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Look forward to catching you next time.